what is the point? So, what is the overall point of this story? Let me take you through a few possibilities and then tell you what I think. First, I want to share with you the anecdote that supposedly inspired Gogol to write it. As Zivlon Sichkarov described it in his book Gogol, His Life and Works, quote, In the early 1830s, Gogol heard an anecdote among a group of friends about a minor government official who was a passionate hunter and who, through great privations, endured over a long period of time, managed to save the money needed to buy a fine rifle. On his first duck hunting trip, he placed the new rifle in the boat so awkwardly that without his noticing, it was knocked into the water by the heavy reeds. This loss had such a shattering effect on him that he became severely ill and hovered on the verge of death. The unfortunate man did not recover until his office colleagues learned of his misfortune and took up a collection to buy a new rifle. What did Gogol see within this anecdote that made it a promising subject for a story of his own? One possibility is that he saw it as a chance to champion the underprivileged and condemn the stratified structure of society. Let's look at the elements that make this theory plausible. He does expose the pretentiousness and cruelty of those who outrank a cocky, whether the mean-spirited co-workers who make sport of him, the callous superiors who treat him like he doesn't exist, or the prominent personage who berates and abandons him in his time of need. And Gogol does portray Akaki himself as possessing a sort of guileless purity. Akaki's work is a labor of real love. He has no ill will for his fellow men, and he lives his simple life with perfect contentment. The most compelling evidence in favor of this theory is the famous humane passage that stands out so starkly from the rest. Quote, there was in it a something which moved to pity, so that one young man, lately entered, who, taking pattern by the others, had permitted himself to make sport of him, suddenly stopped short, as though all had undergone a transformation before him, and presented itself in a different aspect. Some unseen force repelled him from the comrades whose acquaintance he had made, on the supposition that they were well-bred and polite men. And long afterwards, in his gayest moments, there came to his mind the little official with the bald forehead, with the heart-rending words, Leave me alone. Why do you insult me? And in these penetrating words, other words resounded. I am thy brother. And the poor young man covered his face with his hands. And many a time afterwards, in the course of his life, he shuddered at seeing how much inhumanity there is in man how much savage coarseness is concealed in delicate, refined worldliness, and, O oh God, even in that man whom the world acknowledges as honorable and noble. Sachkarev dismisses outright this idea that the cloak marks the beginning of the social sympathy movement in Russia. It is the theory about which he said, quote, it is understandable that present-day communist criticism enthusiastically proclaims this position, but it is less understandable that Western criticism mechanically repeats it. Sachkarov captures the essence of his opposition to this humanitarian theory by saying, quote, One can hardly say that Gogol was very skillful in choosing a hero if he wanted to champion the poor members of society who had been deprived of their rights. Unquote. It's true. First of all, 
Akaki is a low-ranking loser by choice, not as a consequence of oppression. He is offered a promotion, but he turns it down because he is capable of nothing more than copying. Second of all, outside one or two jarringly out-of-place sentimental passages, there is no sincere and sober voice in this story expressing real sympathy for Akaki. From his hat bedecked with melon rinds, to his stuttering incapacity to speak in complete sentences, to the way he gulps down flies in his soup, he is unequivocally portrayed as an absurd and cringy character, not a noble soul downtrodden by society. If you want an image of social sympathy, think Hugo's Fontaine. Another theme often attributed to this story is the corruption that comes from material greed. This goes hand-in-hand hand with the Petrovich-as-the-devil theory. On this view, Akaki had been living a simple life of noble contentment until he was lured by Petrovich into coveting a new coat. Having succumbed to this temptation, he then became party to all the corruption of his fellow clerks, losing interest in the work that once obsessed him, vainly admiring his new possession, and even chasing women through the streets. Ultimately, the theory goes, his desire for the new cloak is what leads to his downfall. I don't think this notion holds up as an integrating theory for many of the same reasons as the first. It just isn't serious enough, or consistent enough, to make this case in any meaningful manner. This does not come off as a story with a very serious and straightforward moral message. It is comedic and capricious. I'd even call it wacky. While we might not feel consistently sympathetic toward Akaki, the way we would in a social sympathy story, neither do we feel wholly condemnatory of him, the way we should if he were meant to learn a serious moral lesson. And it ends with Akaki coming back to haunt the prominent personage and wreak a dubious and comical revenge. There's so much more that could be said on this, but I hope it gives you a sense of why this theme doesn't work for me. If you want an image of greed and its power to corrupt, think Tolstoy's How Much Land Does a Man Need, in which a man's desire for ever more land leads him to walk himself to death. It is also suggested that the overcoat lays the foundation for Russian realism, that while there might be satire in the story, it contains no sermonizing, but merely represents life in Russia as it was. Sechkarov's objection to classifying this story in the realist school is that Gogol explicitly pokes fun at it. The narrator laments being beholden to the rule that, quote, in a story, the character of every person must be outlined with complete clarity, unquote. And while the details of the following descriptions are memorable, they also sometimes seem to be chosen at random. Of Petrovich's wife, for example, we learn that she wore bonnets, could not boast of beauty, and had a hard time bringing up the low prices her husband set. A strange sort of realism, as such Karov says, that awakens, quote, the impression of realism, not at all concerned with the exact reproduction of reality at which the realists aimed, unquote. I mentioned at the outset of this project that I made what might have been the mistake of reading Nabokov's take on the overcoat before revisiting the story and considering my own. I found myself thrown for a loop when he said things like this, quote, Great literature skirts the irrational. Gogol's The Overcoat is a grotesque and grim nightmare making black holes in the pattern of life. 
The superficial reader of that story will merely see in it the heavy frolics of an extravagant buffoon. The solemn reader will take for granted that Gogol's prime intention was to denounce the horrors of Russian bureaucracy. Unquote. And, quote, if you are interested in ideas, facts, and messages, keep away from Gogol. Keep away, keep away. He has nothing to tell you. Keep off the tracks. High tension. Closed for the duration. Avoid. Refrain. Don't. Unquote. And, quote, the story goes this way. Mumble, mumble, lyrical wave. Mumble, lyrical wave, mumble, lyrical wave, mumble. Fantastic climax. Mumble, mumble. And back into the chaos from which they had all been derived. Unquote. After all that, what are we left with? And has this story been worth our while? I think so. Let me tell you, though a scholar, I am not, how I see it. I have come to see Gogol in the overcoat as fundamentally a storytelling comedian with a brilliant eye for satire. I don't see him as having set out with a certain moral purpose or conforming to any particular style. My impression is that he delights in a sort of end-in-itself and disintegrated storytelling, that he weaves deep sentiment and brilliant satire within it, and that he has an absolutely brilliant sense of humor. Without meaning to damn Gogol by faint praise, what I enjoyed in this story is akin to what I love about my favorite comedy routines. They often involve storytelling, but not in a streamlined and integrated sense. They inevitably make satirical commentary on current cultural trends, and they always make me laugh heartily at the reversals on my expectations, insights into the absurdities of everyday life, exaggeratedly comedic character bits, and more. Gogol has it all. In my imagination, Gogol heard the anecdote about the man and the rifle and laughed to himself, the poor bastard. That's the tone of it to me. There's sympathy for Akaki, but it's not a solemn sympathy. Nothing in this story is spared as a source of humor. Akaki is absurd. Those who persecute him are absurd. The narrator's account of it is absurd. Everything is absurd. There's a sort of equality of absurdity. If Gogol were around today and living in the U.S., I could see him doing stand-up. I hope it's not too blasphemous to say that. <laughs> 